What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today, we have the pleasure of chatting with Mike Rizzo. You'll be hard-pressed to find someone who's done as much for the marketing ops community. He got his start in marketing at California-based tech startups and eventually worked in B2B SaaS, where he got his hands dirty in several MarTech tools. In 2017, he founded Mopros, a Slack channel dedicated to connecting with marketing operations professionals. Mike also took a short turn in the agency world where he was director of marketing strategy for client accounts at Human, Orange County's full-service inbound marketing agency. He then returned in-house and boomeranged back to one of his earliest startups to lead community and loyalty programs. He's also the co-host of OpsCast by MoPros, a podcast for marketing ops pros by marketing ops pros. Last year, Mike doubled down on the community he started and launched marketingops.com, taking a community-led approach to building career resources resources that are purpose-built for MoPros. Today, his community counts more than 4,000 MarTech professionals and is one of the few communities I frequent on a daily basis. Mike, uh, super pumped to have you on the show, man. Not sure why it's taken this long to have you on, but thanks for your time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it, I've i definitely been in and around the ecosystem with you, like chatting, engaging, um, and I'm super excited that we get to hang out like and, and talk shop about all this stuff. And uh, hearing you read the bullet points of uh some of my career trajectory is a little bit overwhelming like i'm i feel like i'm i need to like take a break <laughs> that was overwhelming <laughs> i'm honestly surprised i was able to get through that with like all the mo pros and the marketing ops pros without like screwing up once or twice uh, i definitely may have practiced a few times ahead of this zero hiccups i commend you my friend well done <laughs> Yeah, man. Recently, you shared on LinkedIn that you actually don't take any payroll for marketingops.com. And despite all the, the time that you pour into this venture and probably all the costs that you have from like a, a tooling perspective, I was kind of shocked by this, honestly, when I saw you post that, that, you know, this isn't just like a podcast that you're spending a few hours on every week, like me and JT do. I imagine quite a bit more work goes into this, especially on the tech side from a cost perspective. Can you maybe shed a bit of a light on like, Everything that is Mopros these days, I try to keep up with the announcements channel, but like, I feel like there's something new going on every week and maybe like talk a bit about like the, the revenue that you are generating. Like, is it reinvested in the community and just covering the cost from, from a tech perspective and maybe touch on also like what's stopping Mike from going all in on this project or is that kind of already the, the, the route in the future? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, to answer sort of the first part of that, um, the the what's what's going on with MoPros today? Uh, we're working alongside of our community. We when we say you know there, there's a trend, right? There's all these buzzwordy trends that have come up in marketing in general. Um, you know, ABM, PLG, <laughs> uh, ABX, whatever. Go to market. <laughs> um, and community led was definitely one of those things that like had this like really rapid spike, and I think is sort of leveled off. Uh, but when we talk about being community-led, uh, we really mean it. Uh, the reason marketingops.com exists today is because of all of the input that comes from you know, folks in our community, not just the Slack community, mind you. I mean, the broader ecosystem of folks that are practicing uh, the vocation of marketing operations. 
Mm -hmm. And as people have come to us, uh, we've shaped new programs. And so today, MoPros offers uh, a wide variety of opportunity for you to be elevated in your career in marketing ops. Some of that is literally finding a new job. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you're seeking out a new role, like we have a hiring channel for you, we have a database for you to be entered into, and we connect you with new career opportunities. If you want to learn from other folks, uh, there's workshops that are free to attend hosted by our ambassadors. Uh, which brings me to the ambassador program. If you're super passionate about marketing operations, we're here to help amplify your talent and your expertise. And so our ambassadors sign up to champion what it means to be a marketing ops pro. Um, and they also get rights to publish on our blog. And then we have other programs where our sponsors uh, help us generate revenue to keep the lights on for this organization. Uh, and they uh, help us create educational content. Again, that is community led. Uh, there is no, as I say, pitch slapping allowed in the uh, community by any stretch, but uh, we work with them. They often consult me and, and uh, my team or some of the community members themselves on what are the trendy sort of topics and things that people want to learn more about, right? If they're challenged by attribution or they're challenged by career growth, uh, how do these sponsors come in and have a healthy uh, and invigorating conversation with our community? And so that's largely how we sort of keep things going. We do have a membership model. Uh, it is a whopping $200 a year, and I really encourage our uh, members to take advantage of that. We just keep adding more value to it uh, without increasing the price, um, and it's very intentional. We instrument programming that is member-only uh, access, and uh, we want to make it really easy for you to say yes to investing in your career in marketing ops. Um, I won't unpack all the details of the membership program. It is available on the site. You guys can check it out for all the listeners out there. Uh, and then to answer your question about like, where does the revenue go? Um, you're right. I'm not currently paying myself a salary. Uh, I have poured many hundreds of thousands of dollars myself into the, uh, for, into the organization and the community. Um, there, you know, I've, I've certainly been able to reimburse myself uh, little by little over the last few years. Um, but the majority of the funds go to supporting our programs. Um, yes, some of it's technology. We are a HubSpot uh, tech stack. Some of it is um, just like putting on the programs. Those take, uh, you know, help. <laughs> we need help and resources. And so we've got incredible sort of contract team members that are helping us execute on delivering these campaigns and orchestrating all the little ins and outs of the webinars. Uh, and my co-founder, um, who his name's Dan Mott. Um, he takes a little bit of the salary uh, as well um, to keep things moving on sort of all fronts and organizing all of the, he's our COO of sorts. Um, and so he is um, leading a lot of the day in, day out activities. Eventually, I do plan to take salary. <laughs> um, but for right now, uh, we're very focused on just continuing to invest back into um, making sure that this this organization continues to thrive in pursuit of some of our other goals. I know we'll probably talk about some of those um, later on in the show too. Yeah, super cool, man. Appreciate the behind the scenes look at uh, some of the model there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a handful, if not more, of of our listeners are 
already um like uh paid members of of mopros community it's it's definitely like i feel like one of the communities that has been around for like a long time like i remember starting in marketing ops and um like the community was was funded like just a couple of years after uh, i kind of got my start so it's it's always felt like home to me like being able to just reach out to folks or like i love just like searching for a specific tool or a topic and then like you basically find a subject matter expert who's like posted about that tool and you can like dm them and have a conversation about it there's there's an endless amount of like uh, good stories that that i got from uh, the community but one of my favorite ones um that i think sets your community apart from both like a user perspective but also uh, a sponsor in a brand perspective is your no bullshit demo uh program I have like referred uh, Mopros to uh, a bunch of different founders in, in the MarTech space when they're just like asking for how can we promote our tool? How can we get closer to like this this community of folks? And when I like explained the No Bullshit demo program, like they were kind of like amazed at how innovative that is. Um, and, you know, I've sat in on a few of these and, and for MarTech companies selling to marketers, uh, I feel like this is one of the best ways to reach your ICP. So maybe like walk us through how you got this idea. And um, if you're seeing this more in other communities, because I honestly haven't seen this uh, a lot myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I appreciate the call out. The, the no bullshit demo program was like quite literally a like 2 a.m. wake up call for me one day. Um, <laughs> I was laying in bed just thinking about like, what are more ways that we could enable this community and like, like remove the barrier? You know, I, I talked about no pitch slapping earlier, right? So like, you know, we're just inundated with MarTech all the time and people are constantly trying to sell to to this professional. And so <laughs> I was like, well, what if we just did the demos for them? And then like provided access to said demos to our to our members of our community. Um, and and more importantly, like a demo is one thing, right? Like any company can go publish a demo on their site. Um, but when your particular buyer or someone who's in, on the buying committee is a marketing ops professional or rev ops professional, um, there's some core questions that they want to unpack with you as quickly as possible, like very transparently for all the MarTech, you know, sellers out there. We actually did a really great episode on our podcast that talks about how to sell to marketing ops. And we did it with some salespeople, which was super fun. Hmm. But for everybody out there who is like trying to target this audience, like one of my favorite things that Naomi Liu ever said on our show was um, do your deck backwards. Because like at mm. the end of the day, the marketing ops person doesn't really care about your NASCAR slide of your <laughs> like how many logos you have. <laughs> like, like that's just about like that. That stuff's important later on in the buying cycle. But like, what's the actual implementation? What is the like actual cost of this? Who needs to be involved? What's your security? Like, there's a number of questions that come up pretty regularly, and that program is meant to surface those. Um, so, yeah, it was a 2 a.m. like aha moment for me. Uh, I recorded my very first one actually with the founder of that agency that I was at, Human. Um, and he has his own little product. And I was like, hey, what if we did this thing? Uh, and he was all in. And then from then on, the rest was sort of history. We kept getting more and more folks involved. To answer your question, though, about communities, other communities doing it, um, there is another community that sort of copy pasted the project. Uh, and I, <laughs> I totally gave them some ish uh, the other day <laughs> about that. I was like, hey, you straight just ripped this off of <laughs> what we were doing. <laughs> but you know what? The best form of flattery is, you know, as they say, is 
honestly, there's lots of room in the space for education around what these tools are capable of and whether it's through our no bullshit demo program or the other communities program. Uh, I'm just happy people are getting what they need. Mm -hmm. Totally. I, I love the Naomi call out there. I actually messaged her this morning asking her uh, if she had any funny stories or uh, things that I should sneak in there and, and ask you about on the show today. And she, she told me that I have to ask uh, you who you like better as a podcast host, uh, Naomi or Hartman. <laughs> oh, that's so hard to answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I like them both equally for very different reasons. Um, Hartman <laughs> is super inquisitive and uh, often has like another angle to go down. And Naomi does a really good job of um, thinking through some of her experiences and tying them together um, uh, to, to our guests on the show and, and usually getting people to like unpack a little bit more um, detail, which is pretty fun. So. Yeah. Love it. Very, very <laughs> diplomatic answer. <laughs> I mean, when you love those two people the way that I do, it's like hard. How could you? It's like, how do I pick my favorite child? That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit, and I think maybe the audience is already getting a sense of how a MoPro is different, but you've got a huge call this year, and you're speaking, or you have some uh, huge speakers coming up Scott Brinker, Juan Mendoza. I'd love to hear the story behind creating the in-person event and, you know, how you went about it, getting the big name speakers. And honestly, I'd just like to have a pitch for the conference for our audience as well, if they're on the fence about joining the conference, what what makes it different? Um, yeah, no, JT, thanks for, thanks for allowing me to do a little bit of a shameless plug. We totally have a channel <laughs> for that in our uh, Slack community, by the way. So if you ever want to join and shamelessly plug something you're working on, please come, come hang out with us. Um, but yeah, Mopsapalooza, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it is absolutely a big conference. Um, and, uh, it's terrifying, uh, to say the least. But um, we, in the past, we've hosted 50 people in a room. Uh, we refer to those events as summer camp. We've done three of those over the past two years. Uh, again, like kind of harking back to my comments about community-led, um, the community asked for a lot of these things. And so we tried to pull them off. And Mopsapalooza was actually born out of uh, additional sort of inquiry from the community. Um, it actually sort of came from Jess Cow uh, and a handful of others like MH Lines, um, folks that were pretty tight with the Marketo community. The, since the acquisition, um, the Marketo Champions program uh, is still alive and thriving, of course, but there were a lot more speaking opportunities before um, the, the sort of convergence of that that Adobe Summit event, right? And Marketo Summit sort of getting folded into the mix. And so they were saying, hey, are there more opportunities for us to potentially have uh, all of these marketing ops experts um, speak? And do you think, you know, the community could, could host something? And my answer was like, yeah, let's try to figure it out. And what came of that was Mopsapalooza. Um, we are very fortunate over the years to uh, have been connected to some of these other industry experts like Scott Brinker and Juan Mendoza uh, through a lot of these other types of programs that, that we run. So the State of the MoPro research, for example, this annual post, pulse check on what's going on with marketing operations professionals, everything from salary insights to tool usage and career trajectory and growth goals. Um, that and first year we did that was actually sponsored by HubSpot. And Scott is, uh, as many of us know, he's um, associated to HubSpot in a VP of platform ecosystem role. And so I was able to sort of nurture the relationship that we had started many moons ago and continue on that journey. 
And uh, through that time, we were able to ask him to join, and he uh, graciously offered to keynote at our event. And Juan Mendoza has been a good good friend. He's based in Australia, um, but he's been a dear friend, and we've been sort of confidants in each other as we endeavor on these sort of, uh, you know, quote unquote, entrepreneurial journeys of building. Um, a better environment for MarTech and marketing operations professionals. And so he was really excited to get involved in Keynote. Um, I really respect the heck out of him and, and his writing. And he's going to unveil um, a People's Choice Awards program that the industry is sorely lacking. So stay tuned for that. But um, in terms of the pitch to join the conference, look, we these are born out of like 50-person events. Um, and those are deep learning experiences and opportunities to connect with people that are your people. Um, we want you to show up and feel like this is my home. These are my people. I'm so excited that I finally got to like spend time with people who understand the problems that I'm facing. Um, that is literally like almost quotes, like word for word from attendees at our past events. This event, while it is larger for up to 500 people, and we are capping attendance at 500, um, we aim to create that same level of experience. So the speakers are all community-led, community-selected uh, by our uh, committee. Um, there's a handful of volunteers that are selecting all of the speakers for the sessions. Um, so you will not, again, be pitch slapped by vendors on stage. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear about their software capabilities or anything like that. Uh, you're going to learn from real everyday experts in the field. Um, everything from tactical how-tos on very specific products to how do you grow in your career as a marketing operations professional and maybe you know manage a team or earn a seat at the strategic table, uh, whether that's C-suite or otherwise, it's uh, TBD, right? But um, it's going to be an event that uh, hopefully we'll continue to be annual. Of course, this is our year one of it, uh, but we have lots of room to grow and a lot of opportunity to provide a ton of value for the ecosystem that we're all part of. Super cool. I think that's a, a really good no bullshit promo for, for the <laughs> event there. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Chief Martech and, and the Martech Weekly there. So yeah, I feel like uh, Naomi's also, um, you know, keynote speaking there. So I think you, you've got a, a high caliber of, of folks that are going to be speaking, yourself included. If it wasn't for uh, being a kind of no fly zone with uh, my newborn at home, I, I would definitely be uh, be attending. But I think uh, the second the second event is going to be my first uh, Mopsapalooza next year. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that one already. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. Uh, honestly, I you know I've got two little ones, and travel when they're extra small um, is is never never a possibility, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and the we have incredible speakers we've only announced like 10 of them there's going to be like 40 plus so nice. uh there's lots more coming but you know you can expect to hear from some pretty big names daryl alfonso and and a number of others will be will be there and um, industry experts from across the board from every martech platform you could think of uh we're trying to pull in experts so yeah we're really excited and Sad you can't make it, Phil, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it'll be available on demand. So for those that can't make it in person, we will uh, stream the main stage and uh, make all of the other breakout sessions available on demand for anybody that grabs that virtual pass. So um, it's okay if you can't make it in person. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I feel like the, like on top of the community stuff that, that you're sharing and, and your, just your LinkedIn feed, like you, you really get a sense of like the, 
the pulse of like marketing ops professionals right now. Um, like recently you posted about take home assignments, like ranting a little bit about like their role in, in interviews. And you asked the community how we might find ways to prove the skills that we have in mops ahead of our next interviews. And you got a ton of comments on that that were really interesting. I felt like it really made me kind of like ponder this idea a little bit. Like one thing that I was surprised that no one commented on uh, specifically is how like widely different the marketing ops role is at like a startup versus an enterprise company. At a startup, you might be like a one person marketing ops team doing everything kind of under the sun on top of like some content stuff maybe and some demand gen stuff on, on top of it. But like at an enterprise company of like, you know, thousands of people, you probably have like a 50 plus marketing ops team and you're only doing like a handful of things, but like you're super deep and you're kind of an expert in that space. So, you know, like to me, I've seen this firsthand and, you know, there's different skills and different types of humans uh, involved in, in each of those roles. So maybe there's a, a certification for startup slash SMB slash enterprise marketing ops bros. But I'm, I'm curious, like based on the feedback that you got on on your post there, what's uh, what are your current thoughts on this and, and what's kind of a certified marketing ops bro for Mike? I think you're spot on uh, with with some of the commentary around like, you know, the differences between SMB and enterprise. Um, uh, I'm coming off the heels of the board, the certification advisory board uh, that we pulled together uh, from the community, right? So um, Dr. Debbie, Daryl, uh, uh, Naomi, Jess Cow, a number of them are on this board helping us shape what it means to be a certified marketing operations professional. And mm -hmm. um, what's important about that is their their backgrounds uh, do span, you know, a wide array of experiences. Um, and one of the the comments that you know or, or concepts that we came up with yesterday was absolutely around this idea of like sort of the the level right like are there different phases of this there's like maybe a level one a level two a level three um and maybe in that level one it's really about sort of the core components of marketing operations um, and highly applicable to the smb mid-market right um and then as you advance further into uh, some of the other categories of the, the pillars that we're sort of identifying, perhaps that's more enterprise focused. I think what's important about the certification uh, program is that it is, um, yeah, it, it's a vocational certification, right? So it needs to remain to as much extent as possible agnostic of any one technology provider. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying you need to be certified in Marketo. Uh, in order to be a certified marketing operations professional. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? You you need to understand object orientation to some degree and how databases can be related to one another and integrated, but that can be abstracted from specific platforms. Um, the nuance of you being an incredible Marketo or Pardot or Eloqua or HubSpot expert is uh, very important to a role, of course, but if you understand uh, how these tools work uh, and you understand the relationships between them, um, you can often step into an environment and learn very quickly how these other platforms work, regardless of your experience. Um, and I think that's really important, right? Uh, and so as we continue to endeavor on <laughs> what it means to be a certified marketing operations professional, we want to make sure it's a vocational certification that helps illustrate the um, architecture or architecture of uh, a marketing ops pro and where they are in their career, but while giving them um, perhaps a practicum and a deliverable to provide to the organization, 
that isn't just a service to them as a as a professional in the field that says I now sort of understand how to continue advancing in my career. But along that journey, I'm actually providing value back to my organization. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to instrument the certification program to be an actual deliverable thing that you can do for either your clients or uh, your, your company that you work for, right? Yeah, so. that definitely sounds like something that could be uh, super valuable. I totally agree with the idea of it being agnostic to a tooling perspective. I'd rather hire someone who's got like a good foundation and is like a strategic person as opposed to someone who's only done Marketo and only understands Marketo and like has barely stepped outside of the tool to to kind of look at like how the business side of, of things kind of work. I also think that like this idea of making it like a certification that you need to update on a frequent basis. Um, AI, for example, like probably would have been, wouldn't have been part of the certification if, if you had done it like two years ago. But I feel like we can't really go through a podcast these days without talking about AI. And it feels like it's on everyone's mind, even though some of us have muted all of those like tech bros on, on Twitter sharing a list of AI tools. And who are we to talk? We have a full episode about marketing AI tools. But I don't <laughs> think, Mike, that you describe yourself as an AI critic or, or detractor, right? But you said in a few places that you don't think AI will be replacing any marketing jobs anytime soon. And I think they're like the key thing there is that you're using the term anytime soon. And like that could be three months, could be five years. You're kind of like saving yourself there a little bit, but maybe we can spend a bit of time here because I think potentially this is something we don't fully uh, agree on, but uh, yeah, love uh, your, your deeper take there. Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, I love the spiciness of you challenging <laughs> me <laughs> on this question. Um, you know, like you're right. I'm saving myself a little bit by saying, Hey, um, anytime soon. Um, but I also think that, um, like really specifically, uh, this category of marketing operations is, is going to be very difficult to, uh, completely abstract away from, from human interaction. Um, and so one of the reasons that I feel that way is that, you know, your experience at a SMB startup versus an enterprise startup and the nuances of what it means to generate a lead versus an MQL versus an SQL versus a PQL versus a whatever other L you want to add to this <laughs> list. Um, those, those little tiny nuances of how you move data, where it goes, when and why, and who needs to be notified all of that operational architecture and you know that framework that you need to build around your unique organization's uh, way of doing business is very hard to abstract away into AI. I'm not saying that components of it can't be uh, sort mm-hmm. of consulted. <laughs> you know, uh, perhaps AI can help you optimize by looking at well, it looks like you know these channels help produce the you know, MQL, so maybe you should change your definition of the scoring criteria, whatever, whatever. Um, But I think the nuance of like, you know, how you build a tool, just like building a new piece of software is like, you might be able to queue up an AI with some ideas based on the interviews that you've had with potential customers of this new product you want to bring to market. But it still takes that, that conversation to figure out like, you know, when you run a MarTech stack, it is like running a product. Mm-hmm. So I need to understand what is my product roadmap? How do I enable these folks? Uh, and maybe you can consult with some AI to help um, streamline some of that process. But it is just like 
it's so bespoke every single time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't see that going away. And so, yeah, to, to some extent, there will be things that that AI will do better. Right. And I don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely use GPT uh, to my advantage on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I think the fine tuning of all this stuff particularly in the marketing ops and rev ops space is going to be quite difficult to take away. I think there's a human element here as well. Like the implementation factor comes from human beings making the choice to use these tools and then not to hire or to fire people based on their efficiencies. And and, and I have my own doubts, I guess, about how fast culturally we'll be willing to just adopt these tools and, and look at them from that pure efficiency perspective. I think there are niches and areas as you, as you talked about, Mike, that just require that human input and that a machine just is going to be incapable of making those kind of qualitative decisions that need to be done on the fly. However, I mean, ChatGPT4 is pretty impressive and some of the stuff that you can do with it is is pretty wild. Um, I know in our four-part series on AI, we talked a little bit about future-proofing uh, your career, exploring new areas of marketing that may not be as impacted by, um, by, by the rise of AI. Obviously, you know a thing or two about community building. I think this is one of those areas that is to me, suspicious that it would be replaced by AI, but definitely you could see some use cases. Um, what advice, is, advice do you have for listeners who don't have any uh, or little experience with community and trying to or this area of specialty and thinking about AI and, and the impact there? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's, that, you know, that's a tough one. Like even today in our community, I'm constantly trying to uncover like what are the sort of threads that are important to this, you know, what's the pulse of what's going on and, and what should we all continue to talk about? And, and, and often, you know, often it's, how can we help? Uh, and so I think AI can step in and offer a great deal of value in that regard. Um, particularly, you know, the, the unique thing about building community is the connected piece, the, the seeing the relationship between someone's question and someone else's answer from an entirely different period of time, <laughs> right? And so like when someone comes to our community and says like, oh, does anybody know, you know, somebody that can help with ABC problem that I'm having? And I'm like, yeah, I know five people, right? Because I've had conversations with them over the years and um, I can connect them together. There's a very real possibility that if AI is trained to understand, interpret and create the taxonomy of how that it, those interactions are related to one another, right? This question is related to this tool. Uh, this person now has clearly indicated they're somewhat of an expert in these uh, fields categorically. So perhaps I can suggest to the community manager um, that there's a handful of folks that may be able to help out in this person's inquiry that was just posted to the forum or to the channel. Um, does the AI fully step in and actually make that recommendation? Maybe one day if it gets really good. Um, but the unique thing about community is being able to create those connections and seemingly disconnected uh, data points, especially spanning time. And I think mm -hmm. AI can do a really nice job of helping to streamline that uh, that piece, right? Like, I don't have a community manager like full time on the community. They're like, that's sort of my job. Um, and and audrey helps out a lot with that stuff but it's very difficult to slide someone into a community management role and provide the type of impact that and i'm not trying to toot my own horn here but like the type of impact i can provide to conversations is very different because i've been in this space for so long i know the people 
I've had the conversations and community management relies on that. And AI can potentially help somebody who's pretty junior in the community function just to like ramp them up more quickly. Mm -hmm. So I would say look for opportunities to help ramp yourself up is, is sort of the short answer. There's a thread that I want to I want to pull back on and uh, go back to the the certification around mar marketing ops. One thing that was going through my head as you were you as a HubSpot user, a Marketo user, like you learn fundamentals that are transferable from one place to the next. When it comes to like utilizing AI in these community roles or even in general marketing roles that the future marketers should be thinking about when it comes to this area. Um, I think marketers that are trying to think about system architecture and process are going to be well suited um, to be able to slide into how to best leverage technology for a go-to-market play. Um, it's, it's very, very unique to be in this role. Uh, I, I, it's sort of them's fighting words kind of thing. Uh, I always bring this up with folks, but like a marketing ops person can often do what a sales ops person does, but it's typically not the other way around. Hmm. Um, and, and that's not to say that there aren't exceptions to that rule. Um, but what's unique about the, the ability to survey the landscape of the tech stack as a marketing operations professional, nay, a rev ops professional that comes through marketing ops is that you can actually act as this right-hand person to a CEO or CMO to really understand, like, how do we create a system and architect a, a tech stack and a program and a go-to-market motion that best enables us to achieve our goals? It's not a CTO. It's not a CIO. And frankly, it's not a CMO because the CMO is going to be constantly bogged down with how do you drum up new sales, leads, and, you know, reach um, but the enablement piece of that, when someone can understand how data and systems interact with one another, you have a unique skill set <laughs> that is highly transferable uh, and can enable an organization to grow. I, there's no other way for me to say that other than try to try to just learn these systems, how they interact with one another, and then become, if this is, if this is a passionate area for you, um, try to learn how business operates. Because once you start to understand how a business functions and how they want to go to market, you can try to figure out how to piece that together with the technologies that are available to them. Um, and it's, it's nobody's job right now. <laughs> except for ours <laughs> i love it yeah that's a, a super good take there i feel like the community side of of marketing is is something i've been afraid of like a little bit since the start of my career like uh involved in events and like all the back and forth with vendors and swag and like getting like posters and and stuff like to to the event but like i i would argue like right now like we kind of did in in our fourth part of our, our ai series there like there is like a very good chance that you know in in the crazy potential future where ai does like take over a lot of jobs this like community role in marketing it it's super well positioned to be future proof come that from because like people are going to events with other humans to connect with humans right like it's always going to be a necessary part of it especially as like ai gets more and more involved in stuff like there's likely to be this like counterculture uh, movement where people 
are maybe going to be even more likely to interface with brands that, you know, are using less AI and, and more in-person stuff. So um, I'm, I'm really curious to ask you about like the, the future of like in-person events. We're, we're big sci-fi fans on the podcast and love thinking about the, the speculative future and, you know, some of the areas that excite you the most about uh, the future of community-led marketing. Like I'd, I'd love to ask you about that. Like uh one thing that's thrown around a lot that I'm sure you've heard of and especially likely going to get even crazier with Apple's Vision Pro announcement last week or this week, actually, um, is VR and metaverse applications. Like, curious what your thoughts are on, like, this idea of immersive personalized events, like a, a feature that involves more gamifications or, like, VR activations. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't yet know. It's actually, it's fascinating to me that Apple's produced this technology after this metaverse climb and subsequent collapse. <laughs> like, <laughs> was, I mean, it really spiked. Uh, and, and you like Juan talks about this often on his show yeah, or yeah, on his newsletters, right? <laughs> like it's like, like, and we've talked about it a lot. Like there was like, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has literally completely like pivoted. <laughs> There's this moment of like meta, you know, VR, the the metaverse, all these things, um, and it's fascinating to me that Apple's continuing to to pursue the technology angle of supporting this this environment. I'm not saying it's not going to have some level of success. There are a contingency of folks that absolutely don't want to leave uh, their state or their you know home or or what have you for all kinds of different reasons. Um, whether you're literally incapable because you may have a disability of some kind or you just choose that that is not the right thing for you to do, there's going to be opportunity to create experiences for folks. I don't know that those experiences will be uh, all encompassing around, you know, in-person and hybrid sort of meetups. I would say if there's an opportunity to merge those two worlds, like you think about the Google Lens sort of factor, I think that'd be great. I'd love to sit across from you, Phil, and like shake your hand literally in person while to the right of you is JT, but you know, virtual. And I can like, we can all see JT <laughs> through the Google lens, uh, but we're all also together in person. I think that would be super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I don't know. Well, I have to wait and see what what comes of this VR like stuff. I don't, I, uh, yeah, I'll probably have more opinion on it <laughs> like once we, once we get a little further into it. Yeah. Yeah, it it is wild to to think of that future. Like uh I, I to to Apple's defense, like I will say that the uh, even like the when you scan your face like using ML like the, the the first couple of demos and like the the AI animation of of you in that like VR world like it is like it feels like a decade ahead of what like uh, Zuckerberg was was trying to create like the early images of of what like the metaverse looks like like tacky almost like Sims like characters and 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 what Apple's doing like it still kind of looks like a bit creepy and weird but um, I don't know like you said like you talked about the people that you know do prefer staying at home like as stupid as you look wearing those goggles like 
I would be using them while I'm at home, like watching a movie or just like podcasting on a massive screen with them. Like, I don't care how stupid I look like (laughs) no one's going to see me. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I mean the, the, the applications of it for, for in-person events, like I don't think it's going to replace in-person events, but like Mopsapalooza, like there, there is like a virtual component to this or a remote component to it. But um, yeah, TBD on, on that side of, uh, of the future, it'll be uh, fascinating to see um how that space advances because yeah the the vision pro is like do pack a ton of tech and i think the price tag is representative of that yeah yeah no no kidding i mean look i love uh apple max products right like apple products um i have a, a mac studio that i'm operating from today uh i'm trying to be as cord free as possible <laughs> when it comes to my infrastructure and my setup and um, you know, if one day this gets to a place where like, I just feel super comfortable in my house, like operating on virtual screens and I get to just have this beautiful empty desk, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of in just for that. <laughs> right. Cool. I get to get rid of these giant monitor arm things that I have. <laughs> um, as we, as we kind of switch out and wind down out of the, out of this interview, um, I wanted to ask you a question about starting a fractional business and. One thing that we've seen uh, interviewing other marketing operations pros is this theme of curiosity. It seems to be driving marketing operations pros, seems to be driving the entrepreneurial spirit spirit for you as well. Um, yeah, based on how, uh, how you chose on, on how to go about this, and more importantly, what lessons you could bring back to yourself five, 10 years ago. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, it was another call out that Jomar, um, someone who's on our certification advisory board um, brought up yesterday, and I fully agree. I think all of us sort of uh, agree with it is marketing ops professionals um, often are given the tool sets to become excellent entrepreneurs. Uh, and again, that that goes back to this concept of like being able to see the infrastructure and the foundations of what it takes to sort of go to market. Um, I think if I were to give myself a handful of lessons, uh, um, it's it's really just about understanding like how business is structured state by state and how those things matter. Um, the differences between LLCs and S-Corps and pass-through pass entities um, like a C-Corp that is not obviously um, understanding the laws around contractors and, and how you sort of manage your, um, your shareholders and those kinds of pieces. Those foundational elements, um, tax laws and how you file taxes, like that stuff you're not going to learn in any role until mm-hmm. you sort of endeavor to go out and do it. And so <laughs> the advice is uh, dive in deep and don't pretend, don't act at all like you you know it all um, uh, and try to do your best to not um, jump in before you've sort of absorbed some new information. The, the final piece I would say about starting fractional businesses uh, is don't download templates that are legal jargon just (laughs) spend the money like set aside the money or budget for it go hire yourself an attorney and have them file the paperwork and you know do your service uh, agreements and all of those things if you're going to provide services um because it matters like i didn't get burned by it by any stretch but uh it is such a peace of mind to know that I have someone else <laughs> to help protect this organization or the the venture that I'm trying to work on. I'm an expert at the things that I'm an expert at, and that is not the legal requirements of you know forming a company. 
And so um, tap into the expertise that's out there. Like people are coming to you for your expertise. You should go to them for theirs. So you don't think uh, Chad GPT is going to replace a business lawyer anytime soon? <laughs> um, I've heard that you can leverage it. Um, but uh, in terms of dotting I's and crossing T's, um, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll still trust someone else um, to understand the nuances of my California corporation versus a Delaware and, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. <laughs> I love it, Mike. Um, yeah, I know uh, we're short on time. Thanks for uh, going over a little bit here. We uh, we like to end the show by asking this uh, happiness question to uh, all of our guests. Your founder, CEO, podcaster, community moderator, community-led freelancer, a speaker, a conference organizer, and you're also the hus- uh, husband and father of two boys at home on top of being a football fanatic, which I'm sure you, you get to squeeze into your, your busy days as well. Clearly, you've got a lot going on. Um, what, uh, what is your secret to remain happy and successful in your career? And how do you find balance between all the things you're working on while staying happy? No, I love this question. Um, uh, just point of clarity, I have a son and a daughter. Um, but oh, sorry. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the, yeah, look, I will tell you that I, I'm a work in progress. Um, it, every single day is a, how do I strike a balance between the work that I'm doing, the passion that I have for the work that I'm doing alongside all these incredible community members, while also trying to you know, be a good husband and a good father. Um, I do think the working from home element does help in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> it certainly hurts in a lot of ways too, because <laughs> <laughs> we're fortunate that kids are in daycare today, uh, so they're not interrupting this podcast, <laughs> but, um, but the ability to sort of step out and be immediately with them is, uh, quite a blessing. And so I take advantage of it as much as I can. I will transparently share with everybody. I'm a work in progress and, uh, I have not done a good job managing this, um, over the last few years, because there's been a lot of work to do as we've endeavored to build this organization and this community. Um, but the beautiful thing is that my family's super supportive and, uh, they know that it's only getting better and um, and we're looking forward to sort of the future of, of what's to come as I as I continue to hopefully uh, earn that salary from the company and <laughs> stop picking up extra side gigs to pay for all the bills. <laughs> Amazing, Mike. I love your answer. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your time, my friend. Uh, this was a super fun conversation. Uh, we'll uh, we'll share all the notes to uh, links uh, to everything that you have going on with the community and uh, the events. But uh, yeah, any last things you want to pitch to our listeners before we let go? No, no just uh, you know, find your tribe. That might not be marketingops.com and the MoPros community. That may be a different cohort or group. And I'm happy to introduce you to uh, at least three, four, or five of them that I know of. So if you're looking for advice. Uh, reach out to me. You can find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm just Mike D Rizzo. It's my handle on, on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, find your tribe and, and go all in, invest in, in a category and, um, I'm here to help. Amazing. Thanks for your time, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.